All right, uh, welcome to the Eric J. The Great Podcast Show. We got a special guest on the show today, uh, music artist, uh, king of trap country, OG Nard. How you doing? I'm fine today. How you doing there, black man? Doing all right, man. Just taking it day by day. So uh, for everybody out there that um, they haven't uh, heard any of his music, uh, we're going to play one of his songs, and then we get into his whole story. Uh, this is going to be a different feel for y'all. So uh, ask for for play. Ask everybody to step outside their comfort zone, you know, listen to something different. You know, I don't just listen to rap and R&B. So, you know, I'm open to listening to all genres. So, uh, this is a pretty good song right here, so I'm playing right now. It's called uh, Change Man. I'm a change man. Oh, change man. all the time like I give a song like 20 30 seconds if I don't, if I don't feel it in my soul and I ain't said I'm not saying it's a bad song it just ain't for me you know yeah 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 that's understandable 
So, uh, first off, man, just tell the people where you're from and uh, how old are you? I'm from Miami, Florida, born and raised. Uh, I'm 37 years old. You know what I'm saying? I come from the streets, the gutter of the streets, the poking beans in Miami, the trenches. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm the great nephew of the notorious Big Isaac Hicks. You know, the drug lord from the early 70s, 80s, and 90s that ran the drug trade for South Florida all the way up to New York City. You know, y'all can Google that. Uh, Rick Ross, the rapper, made a song on Port of Miami 2 called Turnpike Ike in reference to my great uncle. You know, uh, his kids are still alive. Nuki Bay, Uncle Marcel, my cousin Cameron, and his oldest son, Isaac Hicks Jr. And basically, man, like I say, you know, trap country, it revolved around me being incarcerated, you know, in the state of federal penitentiary, seven year bid, you know, doing what the young boys doing now, trap. Thought that was what it was. Until you get behind them walls and you realize you did enough. Cause don't nobody remember you until somebody done done what you did. You around a bunch of brothers that's telling stories from 10, 15 years ago, and you gonna be in that same position, but they trying to straighten you out. You know, I met a lot of good Muslim brothers, a lot of good Spanish brothers, you know. And I realized, you know, since a kid, my grandmother late me, Shirley Temple Stevens, man, uh, she was the daughter of the Cherokee tribe. You know, my grandfather's the great Ben Johnson, the chief of the Cherokee tribe. They was real wise people. And my grandma always would listen to old school music. That's why I got my feel for soul and RB, like the Marvin Gaye's, the Luther Vandross, the Teddy Pendergrass you know, the Commodores, Earth, Wind and Fire. Like, that's why I got my passion, delight, love, soul, because my grandma would sit back and reminisce of old times of these songs and cry. And I would always wonder, why is she crying? Until I started listening. So as I grew up, you know, in Miami, I'm in Miami and have to deal with the everyday reality of the streets and getting caught up in the penal system. When God gave me a second chance to come home, I made a promise to a lot of OGs. Cause I was out here in the street, I, you know, I had the name out here for doing stupid stuff, but also living that street life. And a lot of the old heads would listen to me and I was the youngest one in them. And they told me to make a promise that I'd never come back. And I would change society with the gift that God gave me, don't let it die. So I've been doing music for a while, man, even in the prison system. Like I used to rock the prison, prison yards, man. We go in the prison yard, I shut it down. So now that I'm home, I develop trap country. Trap country is a merge of country music, trap music, soul music, reggae music. It's a genre where you can be free. But in this genre, you have to produce a message. You know what I'm saying? I don't care what it is or how you put it. I'm not asking you to change. I'm just asking you to change your direction. You know, I feel like with this new genre, it's gonna say the kids, and it's gonna bring the diversity of black and white together. Because country music has always been us. That's where we get a lot of our jazz from, and our blues. So I'm bringing it back to the forefront, and I'm trying to say rap, because rap dying right now. So when you put both of them together, white people listen to rap music, and black people listen to country music. But imagine putting both of them together. Now I can 
have black and white people getting along. And then it's a message behind every song. My album is getting ready to drop. OG Naw, the city boy with country waves. I'm representing for Dade County, but I'm also representing for them country boys. Uh, I got a song out right now that you just heard called Change Managers on all platforms. I will be releasing my next single in about two to three weeks from now, roughly early March. I'm at um, early May, around about probably like eight, May 4th or May 5th. I'll be releasing my next single, Truck Driver. If you go to my uh, Instagram, uh, OG underscore NAR, N-A-R-D underscore, you will see my songs that's up there. Uh, truck Driver is for my grandfather, who was, a, who was a truck driver. This was my mom's and dad. You know, he drove most of his life. So, you know, I looked up to him as for inspiration on a working man perspective. Because granddaddy brought the bread home and he never asked for nothing out of his paycheck. You know what I'm saying? And he always told us boys, y'all work hard for what you want, so you ain't got to big or steal for what you want. So like I say, man, I grew up around the old school and the old heads. I'm a young, I'm a young man, 37 years old to me, the young boy called me OG, but I take that title. Because I tell him like this here, OG to me mean the origin of God. <laughs> hey, boy, I'm that. I'm that all the way. Like I told you, I'm not a spiritual man, but I do feel God's presence. Everything that I do, I feel God's presence. And all this music that I'm making now, that's different, that nobody have, has heard to, but the world is gravitating to. I got a lot of famous people reaching out to me right now, a lot of NFL players. You know, I had a chance to talk to Tony Muhammad with the Minister Farrakhan on the West Coast. These guys reached out to me, they love what I'm doing. You know, they're trying to get me out to the West Coast for the gang convention because Change Man made it to the West Coast and a lot of gang members are talking about the song. So like I tell everybody, man, I'm here to make a difference and I'm here to make a change. I ain't going nowhere, bro. Not to be sound arrogant or nothing like that, but I'm one of them ones. <laughs> I don't care who you put me next to. I'm going to make our people think again. Yeah, yeah, man. So, uh, did you have a two-parent household or any siblings? Uh, to be honest with it, yeah, I got. I'm the baby boy. My mom had three boys. Uh, but you know, my mom was a, a queen pen back in the day. My mom sold major drugs, but my mom she got caught up in the stigma. You know, back in the '80s, you know, Scarface had a slogan where he say, "Don't get high on your own supply." You know what I'm saying? Back in the '80s, they was getting high, and my mom just got high and couldn't get off. You know what I'm saying? So my mom couldn't take care of us. So she gave gave us to our aunt. My, my aunt raised me. And, uh, you know, I had I had a guy named Randolph Williams uh, in my life, man, who was like my father figure. He was from the country. He was a country boy. You know what I'm saying? He went told me how to fish, how to do carpentry work, how to do lawn work, you know, how to do everything. Basically, grow your own garden. I had him as a father figure until he went to the fed. Then after that, you know, grandma stepped in and you know, that was everything then. Grandma was grandma was my backbone. That was my backbone during the whole time. I mean, even with me going through the streets and the shootouts and, you know, the robberies or whatever, the, you know, whatever it is, man. You know, the young kid called it step. Back then we just call it, you know, the cleanup crew. But we, it wasn't, we weren't killing or we weren't shooting to, you know, to go phrase back to the 
Yeah, like I said, the rephrase back to it. Sorry about that. There was somebody calling in, my uncle. Um, but the rephrase back to it, you know, like I said, man, my grandma was my backbone. She taught me everything I needed to know about the streets, about the women, about life in general. You know, she always told me to respect my elders and always take care of the old people. And she said that if I always looked at, if I ever needed guidance to look for, look to the sky and look to God to guide me, you know what I'm saying? So I kind of took that as a, uh, I kind of took that as a, 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 a backbone for me to start doing better, man, because when I got out of prison, my grandma started getting sick. And I knew right then and there, I, I didn't have nobody else but grandma. You know what I'm saying? My daddy, my daddy was me. Well, no, I was my daddy. My daddy was a street dude, bro. You know, he tried his best, bro. But when you get in that game there, bro, I always tell everybody like this here. If you never, if you never sat down and played poker with the devil, then why are you at the table? You know, that ain't a game that, it ain't for everybody, but everybody want to be trapper. And I always had this one thing for the young youth. If everybody trapper, then who using the drugs? Make it make sense to me. These kids in pain, man, they need help. Like I say, Grandma, Miss Shirley Temple Stevens, rest in peace. That was mom and daddy, bro. And to this day, everything she instilled, all the morals that she gave me in life, all the wisdom, the compass on how to survive. I live by that now. I put God first. I believe in myself and I make my words, my actions. And I believe one thing in the Bible that was written, do unto others as you want them to do unto you. I really believe that, bro. Because what you do now might not come back and get you. It'll skip you and go to the next generation. And that's what it did to me with my father. So I'm cleaning up my act and I'm cleaning up the streets. I owe the debt to society to clean up what I've produced out here in these streets to these jits, man. And these young, these young men out here, these young kings. You know, I don't, I don't even want to label them anything but that because they kings, bro. They ain't nothing lesser. Because when me and you gone and the rest of our older men are gone, bro, this is the next gen generation of emperors. We got to learn to start teaching them to care for our youth. And care for these women too. You know, I got a song that's also I'm releasing a song, Mother's Day called Mama, that I created, and it's in remembrance to Tupac. It's the new Dear Mama song. I'm gonna send it to you too. They're gonna love that, brother. <laughs> Absolutely, man. So when you was a kid, man, what type of activities you was into? Did you do any sports or anything like that? Yeah, I played football for uh Pop Warner football for Miami Charles Hadley. Uh Pop Warner School um football. It was uh Liberty City Warriors back then. Yeah, I played football. I did karate at uh, Mr. Arnold's karate school in Opalaka, Florida. Uh I did boxing <laughs> down at the Lee Center um Overtown when, with Muhammad Ali when he was training the black youth in Overtown. I I was an athletic kid, bro. I played a lot. I be like the normal kid. You know what I'm saying? I went no, I was bad. I ain't finna sit here and cap. Bro, I was bad. Bro, I was bad in here, bro. I get into everything. But the thing was, man, I was just adventurous, bro. I, I liked it to live. I was always curious about everything. I don't care what you tell me. I'm going to find a way to find out if it's true. You know what I'm saying? It got me in a lot of trouble, but it, it also led me in a lot of good direction. Absolutely.
So as far as uh, the music business, uh, did you have anybody in your close circle of family that was involved in the music business or were you the first one to go down that route? No, my grandfather, uh, the one I was telling you was a truck driver. My granddaddy name was Willie Andrew Stevens. He was part of a gospel group back in the 70s and 60s, well, the 60s and the 70s called the Sons of Jericho. They was African-American gospel group that toured around the world and actually did music. And my grandma, uh, her mom was actually some kin to, um, what is his name? Lionel Richie. Lionel Richie, you know, they was like some kin. I met the family a couple of years ago, but nah, they was the, like, I'm not the first in it, but I think I'm the first to actually take it serious besides my grandpa. You know, I got cousins that rap and all that, but like I say, I about to be different. Oh, man, look, there's enough problems in the world and I ain't finna keep putting all this crap out there. Absolutely. So as far, well, if you had to pick a moment, what would you say uh, led you to doing music? When I was 13 years old and my best friend, Larry Eugene Townsend got his head shot, his brain knocked in my lap. Like me and him used to rap. Like me, him and a friend of mine named Josiah's and Josiah is actually Dirtbag's son. Uh, the guy Dirtbag, you know, back in the days made that song with Monica off that Set It Off I Suggest beat. When he come on, he said, hey, little mama, I'm a Dirtbag. And he's rapping with mom. mom that's, that's my best friend's dad. So, like, I used to watch them rap. I could sing, but I never could get the rapping thing together. And they was like, no, nah, you need to rap because you know how to play with melodies. And, you know, they got me into it, and Larry was rapping, too, and, I was there that night my dog got killed. You know, he made me a promise that I'll make it to the top. He like, man, no, I just tell my mom I'm sorry. And just, man, just, just promise me, bro. Just promise me, bro. You gonna make it in the rapping, bro. You good. You know, that 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 was a turn right there. I just started taking it serious, but I ended up going to prison. But it never stopped right there. You see what I'm saying? Cause I was rocking the chain game. That stuff you see them doing on TV, the little beating up, man, that's old school to me. That's old school to me. Oh yeah. Well, when did you uh get out of prison? I know five December, December fourth, two thousand five. Okay. So uh, I had to um, well, I would have to think that you know the entire time that you uh spent in prison had to be uh one of the lowest points in your life. So when you reflect back on that period of your life, what 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 do you take from that experience or you having to do that time? I look at it like this here. I don't even consider that the lowest part of my life. The lowest part of my life was letting my grandma die. Okay. Cause she, you know, she had dog, like that lady pushed me. And just to hear them crack, well, just to hear them folks say life. <laughs> Man, and to watch my grandma break down, bro. Man, I could have took everybody's life in that courthouse because I let the one person that believed in me down. I ain't care nothing about nobody else, not even the judge. I was worried about Miss Shirley. You know what I'm saying? Going to prison, you might not hear this from a lot of fellas, but that was the best thing ever happened to me, bro. That saved my life. I'm a father now, man. I got two kids and I'm married. You see what I'm saying? 
And the, and the crazy thing about it is, bro, man, I work and I love getting the check. Because when you in that chain game, you work for free. A lot of brothers always tell us, oh, boy, I can't work in nine to five. Go to prison. <laughs> See if you get paid for any labor you do when you're working in the kitchen or you're working in the commissary, working in the laundry. When they send you an outside work squad to pick up trash, bro, you ain't get paid. You If you get paid for that, they know probably about 72 cents a day. Not an hour, I mean a day. It's brothers in the chain game, man. When I got to prison, let me tell you something. I was on that young boy stuff, went in there acting stupid. A couple of old heads, cousin who my family has sat me down and said, look, there's people in here that's going to spend the rest of their life in here. When you act stupid, they lock down these people comfort. There's rules and regulations when you go in the chain game, and a lot of the young bucks don't know that. The old school, the old heads, the real gangsters, the real Gs, that's down. They trying to say these jits now. They getting in the law library helping these kids give back time. Prison was the best experience for me, bro. And I don't mean that literally like I enjoy that. No. Prison is not enjoyable. But it was a life lesson to slow me down before I ate a bullet. You see what I'm saying? I'd rather my mama or my grandma than be reading my diploma of completion than be reading my obituary of exiting. I don't care who put it, no way, man. Gangsta ain't what it is no more, homie. Being gangster was, was actually standing on your business and taking care of your friends and your family and your community. The new gangster is selfish, homie. That's why they sliming each other out, man. They don't understand. You need your brother standing next to you. Because there's going to come a time, man, where we really going to need each other. Chris and Blue is already changing, bro. They coming together on that West Coast. The world, rest of the world going to be right behind it. We're going to need each other, bro. Until we can learn this. And I got this slogan that I say, bro. And you'll hear it a lot as, as time progresses. And I say this to a lot of black brothers. I'd rather help you before I hurt you. That's my slogan, bro. Let me help you before I hurt you. Because I know what it feels like to hurt you. But it'll be a challenge for me to find out what it feels like to help you. Absolutely. So uh, who were some of your favorite music artists uh, growing up? Who you like listening to? Uh, yeah, well, well, me being from the South, people like uh, Poison Clan, JT Money, Trick. You know, uh, I ain't going to even lie. I was on Up North Music, too. I fell in love with Slick Rick music. The greatest storyteller ever told. That's why when you hear my music, I tell stories of my life. And um, I ain't gonna even front Big L, KRS-One, conscious music. You know what I'm saying? Then as time progressed, you know, as the time era changed, I got on Outkast like crazy, bro. That boy Andre 3000 and um, CeeLo Green. Whoo, boy, you couldn't tell me nothing. <laughs> and I learned my harmonization from two people, Anthony Hamilton and Bone Thugs and Harmony. Yeah, they cold. I, 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 I learned how to play through notes with them. Just listening to the way that they can construct certain notes, I figured that I, I figured that formula out years ago when I was in middle school. I figured it out. You know, I used to win. Man, I used to win uh, freestyle sessions in school. <laughs> I went to Miami Care City Senior High School. I mean, I'm winning all the talent shows when it comes to the rapping. Like, I really, I really enjoy it, bro. And music is an expression. Like, I'm gonna tell you who 
really got me onto that smooth pimping and telling the truth in your music, Curtis Mayfield, man. That boy Curtis Mayfield ain't nothing to play with, boy. That's a legend out of me. You know what I'm saying? And then I can't forget about gospel. You know, people like uh, Yolanda Adams. That's one my grandma used to listen to. And my grandma used to listen to like the old Negro hymns. You know, them old, they call them old slave music. But me, nah, I don't call it that. I call it that music that gonna make you sit down. The thinking music. Stuff Tupac used to be talking about. You know what I'm saying? Stuff like that, like the wade in the water and stuff like that. Uh, the new one that they got, God is signed my name. Like stuff like, I listen to stuff like that, man. And I make gospel music too. That's the crazy thing about it. Trap country is gospel too. You're going to see that too. I have a song that will be released called Am I the Chosen One? I'm asking God that question because I feel like biblically and spiritually when he said, you are a reflection of me. You are me. You are my son. I'm getting, I'm getting my communications from the Lord with that. So like I told you, this new genre will be in pack with Afro beats, reggae thong, reggae, Haitian bop, uh, trap music, hip hop, whatever, everything that's out now, I will be putting all that into a sponge of trap country. Nobody's done that before. Mix multiple genres of music all together, but I'm gonna introduce it to the world. And it's gonna be feel good music and positive music. Absolutely. So if you had to pick a moment, uh, what was the moment that you knew you could pursue the music seriously? Um, in prison when I had mastered not being able to write music no more. Mm -hmm. I don't write music no more. Everything you hear, change man. I don't write music. I can go in the studio now. I've been doing music for like over, I say about 15, 16 years. So, and I haven't been putting it out. I just been perfecting my craft. That's how long it took. I can get in the studio now and make an album in probably about two days. Wow. Seriously, seriously. And it's proven. It's, we actually got it on document tour because a lot of people didn't believe it either. And it don't take me long to produce. All I have to do is hear, like you told me, the first 20, 30 seconds of an instrumental. <laughs> I already know what I got. Oh, yeah. So you currently independent right now. Uh, would you sign to a major if it made sense? Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to encourage nobody not to take a deal, because that would be stupid. But if it made sense to me, if they can let me be who I want to be and uh, – control my creative side. Cause I mean, it's not like I don't know the business. Uh, I ain't stupid by a long shot. Um, yeah, I would sign a deal. I'm independent right now, but I'm actually working with quality control producer, my best friend, my little partner. His name is Cheese Beats. He the one uh, made the hits you hear for Lil Baby, Cardi B, Rick Ross, uh, Plies. He actually just did um, that Chung Lee, by uh, Nicki Minaj, the new song she has out. Mm -hmm. He, I mean, not Chung Lee, I forgot what it is. Ruby Red, I'm sorry about that, it's called Ruby Red. He's the producer of that, and he's the producer of Handsome and Wealthy for the Migos. Like, he, that, that's my little brother, he been, he about the only one brother that's really been 
helping me out in this industry. You know, I mean, people have been reaching out to me, but I go with who God tell me to go with. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I prefer if I do go with a label, bro, they let me, they let me continue to be the vessel for the Lord. If there's anything interfering with that, I'll back away from it. Absolutely. So how, how often are you going to the studio these days? What's your, what's your, what's your ritual? You go every day or when you just get to get in that mode? Man, I be in the mode every day. That's the bad part of it. I'm in the mode now. I'm making music while you talking to me. That's the crazy thing. Um, yeah, I go to the studio a lot. Uh, uh, I'm in Atlanta right now. You know what I'm saying? I ain't in Miami. I'm in Atlanta. So uh, I be working with the infamous DJ Brad from the Legion of Doom. Um, I go to the studio with this dude. I, mean, I, I put in countless hours. And I know for a fact, I probably, ooh, I've been around Brad now for eight months, so I know I got probably about 3,000 songs. Dang. Yeah, bro, like I record. When I go to, I don't bull crap. When the first, when I finish the first beat, you can master me, that can go to the engineer, put on the next beat. I don't play. When I come, I'll come to do a job. This is a business too. You know, it's, it's my passion, but it's also a business. I treat it as such. I don't play with this. I don't need 50 dudes to go in the studio. I go in there with my wife, sometimes my daughter. My partners will tell you, I don't need all that around me. I don't, because I'm not pushing off none of that energy, bro. That's the old me. This the new me now. You know what I'm saying? And I'm trying to be a good example for my kids. So when I go to that studio, oh, it's go time. They'll tell you, what now going to come in? Everybody be like, man, look at here. Y'all got to go. This man ain't. <laughs> That's how they do it, though, bro. They tell them straight up, y'all got to go. Because they know when, I'm, when I come in there, I'm going to keep going for hours. It ain't going to be no stop. It ain't no, oh, I need to take a break. No, until I got an album done, I'm not stopping. And that's usually about 15 to 20 songs. Dang. You're a workaholic, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, hey, one thing about it, without, without consistency and persistence, ain't nothing going to, I heard, I heard a quote one day say, the 100-hour uh, rule, right? If you invested 100 hours a year, that's 18 minutes of the day and something, you will be 10 times ahead than a normal person on what they're doing. So imagine if you invested just 18 minutes a day in what you love for one whole year. When the next time you come around, everybody that was doing what you're doing but was bullcrapping, you didn't advance them probably about three levels. I don't wait on the next man, bro. Even when my my producer's not ready, I'll tell Cheese or my little my little partner Bear got beats that yeah that that beat there was uh, a change man was produced by. A producer named Casanova Bravo. He's out of Rome, Georgia. You know, he's into the <laughs> the country rock and roll thing too. And he had that beat for five years, and he used to give it to artists, and they could never do nothing with it. He gave it to me in thirty seconds, and I came up with Change Man. Mm. <laughs> yeah, some beats just uh, chosen for people, man. Nah, me, I I take any beat, bro. That's the thing, like. I don't care how bad it sounds. It's not the beat. That's what people be feeling real. The beat is what makes you bop and move. It's not the beat. It's really the harmonization of a person, how they can take their melodies and twist the tunes. I control the tune. Don't let the tune control me. Absolutely. 
So take me back to that time when you dropped music to the public for the first time and they was able to hear you for the first time. Just take me back to how that experience was when you got people that you don't know personally that's coming up to you or hit you up on social media like, hey, man, like I really like your music, you know, keep going, you know, it's because it's different when you're playing it for people that you know, you know, that's going to support you and things like that. But it's different when you get that love from people that you don't know. Well, it was back in, I would say, this was last year, right? This when I really decided, I'm gonna be honest with you, this when I really, you know, came to conclusion with myself, like, look, is it, this is the time, music's dying. This is the time for you to unleash. So, like I told you, I made Change Man. And when I made Change Man in the studio, like, it was big name people in the studio. And these folks was looking at me like, did that just come out his mouth? Cause see, I'm gonna be honest with you. If you listen to that song without seeing me, you're not gonna think that's a black guy. Right. You see what I'm saying? And I and I was telling them, I'm like, y'all bro, I'm finna do something totally different. Y'all might not understand it, but I heard a song called Tennessee Whiskey by Chris Stapleton. Yeah, I like that song. And I did that song acapella one day in the studio. And they was like, you wrote that? I'm like, nah, that's this white boy. And I replayed it back. And a friend of mine, a white guy by the name of Derek came to me. He's like, hey, Bernard, I want you to listen to a, a country artist. His name is Jelly Roll. And I was like, all right. So I see this big white guy. And I, you know, I started paying attention to him. I was like, hey, you know what? I want to do what he's doing. But I'm going to do it on a more perfected level. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use our culture with country music, because he's doing somewhat rap, but it's mostly country of a rock and roll feel. So to take you back, when I was in Georgia, like I said, up here, I did that for them in the studio, and they was they was baffled by it. So I said, let me take it back down to South Georgia, Bainbridge, Georgia, that's by Tallahassee, Florida. It's like the borderline, Georgia and Florida line right there, when you enter out of uh, when you enter out of Havana, Florida, you're going to cross the line into Bainbridge, Georgia. That's the first city entering Georgia. That's where my dad is. My grandfather, my dad's dad, they're, his father's from uh, Donaldsonville. They're, they're big, we're big black farmers down there. We own a lot of land. I played it for some white farmers. I was like, hey, y'all listen to this. And when they looked, they said, it's a pretty damn good song. Can I have it? Where do you get it from? And when they told me that, I knew right then and there. I said, this song gonna take me somewhere. So I just started playing it around a lot of places. Even in the hood, everybody started, hey man, I like that, where I can get that from? And then I tell them it's me and they like, that's you for real. And I show them the video like I sent you. And everybody like, man, man, that's nice, man. You need to keep going. And it's just a sensation just to see people enjoy good music again. Absolutely, man. So uh, speaking of uh, going around different people, uh, have you done any shows yet? Oh uh, yeah, I did one for uh, B Moss uh, up here at Cat Cax and Co's in Marietta. Um, I'm actually in the process of getting ready to go do some more shows now. Like I say, a lot of stuff's lining up for me. Uh, I got a lot of NFL players and a lot of celebrities reaching out. So you know, God is directing the path, brother. Absolutely. So I know 
you're from Miami, but you're in Atlanta right now. So I want you to kind of do like a comparison. So uh, describe the music scenes in both of those cities and describe like, you know, the local artists, the up and coming artists, you know, collabing with each other and things like that. See, Miami got a lot of talent, bro. And Miami cultural music is more pure funk. That's like dance and jerking music, that pop music, you know, but also thuggish, but more cultural Caribbean. You see what I'm saying? And it's for my Jamaican people and my Haitian people. You see what I'm saying? The, down there, it's, it's, they, Miami is different than Atlanta. Only on the aspect of sticking together because who's in Miami stick together, but they don't. Up here in Atlanta, they can be beefing with each other, homie. But when they leave outside of their neighborhoods and it's time to do business, Atlanta comes together. And Atlanta has that juke, South Southern juke, Geechee to it too. And they got that trap feel like Miami do, but Atlanta just doesn't is more wild with it. You see what I'm saying? These boys down here, I mean, I ain't gonna need my life. Atlanta control the music game right now. But I'm coming to bring the torch back to Dade County. And that's no disrespect to the A, because I love the way these boys make music up here. Yeah, absolutely. I can feel that. So uh, I, I just started asking artists this question. Uh, do you believe uh, just music artists in general, well, I would say rappers, <laughs> or, uh, or do you believe they're being uh, targeted? I don't want to say the wrong thing, so I'm gonna say this. Everything's a choice, brother. Whatever you choose to show this world, be ready to receive whatever it's gonna give to you. You see what I'm saying? You can't be target if they don't know what to target. Just that, that, that it, it, it's more common sense of just like a blind man sitting in a wheelchair. He telling you he know where he going, but he can't walk. And he see, his, he see where he going, but he can't see. But yet and still, he asking you to push you. That's exactly what they doing out here, bro. You showing too much. You're advertising too much. My era, when I grew up in the street, the OGs, you ain't know who had the money because everybody had. You ain't know who was doing the killing because that was kept secret. You didn't know who the plug was because you went in that circle that wasn't none of your business. You know, and I don't blame these young kids for nothing they do, bro. It's a form of expression. Music is a form of expression. If you pay attention to country music, rock music, they talk about the same stuff, bro. They just don't get beat down for it. That's why I'm here to change the narrative on what we're doing. I'm here to help us. We can make good music. We ain't got to keep talking about killing each other. We ain't got to keep calling our women B's and H's. We ain't got to make them think that they got to be a stripper for us to holler at them, homie. Because at the end of the day, I was always taught, if you got a bad chick, you got to always understand everybody want You just one Negro. It's a million of them out there trying every day. You got one time to slip. She got a million options. But when you treat a woman less than what she's supposed to be treated like, then, bro, she's going to deliver the hell on you. See, we got to realize one thing. What do we call this earth? What do we call earth, black man? It's, it's a word we put in front of earth. What, planet? Mother. 
Oh. Play with it you want to. And what mother what, what mother earth tends to do when the world this when the world acts out? Mother earth punishes this world, bro, by thunderstorms, by famine, by sickness and plague. We gotta learn to respect our women, bro. And then our women will respect us. And when we can commute that together, we can save our kids. Cause ain't nobody coming to save us, dog. Nobody. It's gonna take us to save us. And I'm not saying that on no racial issues of no white people, because bro, at this point, my at this point, bro, it's so much money out here for black folks. Folks, who we blaming? These brothers now are millionaires and billionaires. Why are you still trying to prove something to the streets? If anything, go back and help. That's why they answer your question. Do I feel like they're being targeted? It's a choice, black man. You either become a target or you get away from the target. Absolutely. So uh, have you worked with uh, some artists yet? Have you did any collabs? And uh, if not, um, do you got some artists you want to work with in the future? I know that'll be a hard one for me. Andre 3000 on the top of my list. Mm. You know, they say Andre got writer's block. I don't know how true that is. You know, I read a lot up on Andre, you know what I'm saying? Because he's not too much on social media, but that's my biggest idol, bro. That man conscious is way beyond his world. And I like to tap, tap into people's brains like that because most would look at him as odd, but I look at him as a gift. I'm, I choose to step outside of my box. So Andre 3000, CeeLo Green, I'm gonna say that again. Uh, I would love to work with Anthony Hamilton. Um, Anybody, bro, anybody that, is willing to make a change in music. Um, I have not worked with any big name artists. Right now I got Turk from uh, Hot Boys reaching out. He wants to work. Um, nah, and then, yeah, one more, but he did now. Mo three. Man, I man, I tell people, dog, like, like, I'm trying to think. Uh, I can't remember what I told my homeboy a couple months ago, but like when I listened to uh I think it was Mo 3's first album or his second album, the one with that red cover on it. Mm-hmm. Man, like freaking like I I I I was listening to some of his music on the come up, but I didn't get a chance to do a deep dive on him until he passed. But when I listened to some of that early music, man, and then when I look at uh Rainwater. Uh, interviews and how he described what type of person he was and things like that and his work ethic and things like that. I was just like, man, he was way ahead of his time, man. I, was I like, met Buddy one time in Atlanta, bro. I mean, one time of his one. And I told him, just, you know, he was with Boosie Camp. I told him, I say, you don't know who I am now. Give me some time. And black man, we gonna meet each other on a good time. See, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna tote that brother legacy. That I'm gonna do something later on, you know, in the coming days, and it's gonna be a tribute to him. And I'm gonna put you in the mind of Mo3 again. I'm telling you, I feel like that's a tool we lost. We wasn't supposed to lose that tool yet. Yeah, that dude was talented, man. We wasn't supposed to lose him yet, man. Shout out to Dallas, Texas, man, because 
I got a big fan base in Texas right now, a big fan base in Texas. So shout out to Dallas and Houston, you know, Laredo, to my Hispanic buddies, you know what I'm saying, my Mexican partners. Everybody in Texas, man, shout out to them. Yeah, man, three. That come outside, I'm going to tell you something, that, that hit the world hard. Yeah, that did, bro. That hit the world hard, bro. I mean, I'm a grown man, bro, but that brought me to tears, bro, because I went to thinking about the street life and how I'm still alive and most of my dogs did. Mm. So like I told you, music is a gift. It's all about the rhythm that's being passed through everybody's frequency. Absolutely. So for uh, all your fans out there, man, uh, list some things you like doing in your spare time when you're not doing music. When I ain't doing music, I'm either reading books that make sense, books on financial literacy, because I teach my kids a lot of financial literacy that's not taught in African-American home. Most kids don't even know what credit is. Most black families don't know what credit is. Uh, so I try to teach my kids stuff I didn't know. Um, I like going, I like fishing, bro. Fishing, riding four-wheelers, uh, trucks, some semi-trucks. Hey, yeah, truck driving, boy, I'm telling you. I love that, you know what I'm saying? That country life, I like farming. I go back home, you know, I do a little farming. 8420 module, tractor John Deere, get out there on that cotton plow. So, I, I just like doing normal stuff that consists of just being free and able to breathe. You know, like I say, living in Miami, man, you had to wake up and go to school with a Glock 40 in your book bag at, in, the, in the sixth grade. You, I got to look at it. I stayed in Kara City, Murder Grove. And I would have to cross to go to another the elementary school, but it's another hood over there that's beefing with my hood, but I'm a kid. I don't know no better, but this stigma is going on. So even though I'm crossing over there, that don't mean that. So coming to Georgia and actually living in Georgia, bro, and being in wake up in the morning hearing a rooster crow <laughs> and taking a fresh breath, a fresh breath of air, bro, and it smells so good. I'm gonna tell you, smell cow shit smelled the good as hell to me, bro. <laughs> Cause I didn't have to smell dead bodies and gun smoke, bro. So that's, you know, I just like living. Anything that deals with giving me a peace of mind, hunting, whatever, bro. Horseback ride, I don't give a damn. I even go jump off a cliff with a parachute. It's going to give me a sense of peace. OG not open-minded, bro. I'm, I'm all for the, I'm all for everything. As long as it ain't, it don't mean hurting nobody or doing nobody wrong, bro, or involving myself in anything that's going to incriminate me and my loved one. Because we done had enough of that for too many years. Absolutely, man. So uh, what are your short and long-term goals? What do you want to accomplish? What I want to accomplish in this industry is to show the diversity that anybody can do exactly what I'm doing. Just change the course of what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? I want to change the way we make music, bro. Like Park say, change the way we eat, change the way we sleep. Like I listen to that. I want to change that, man. I want to change the way these kids viewing it. I, I don't understand the op thing, bro. How is that your op and you grew up with them? <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that out. That ain't your op. Y'all niggas just had a disagreement. And you ready to kill him, over. I want to change that narrative. And I ain't saying the young boys is pursuing that. They, they expressing themselves. I want to be able to bring the OGs back to the table with the young Gs. And actually let the young G tell the OG where they messed up and them guys that actually accept that. 
and be willing to step forward and see and ask the young heads, well, what can we do to help y'all? Not y'all help us. It's too late for us. But what can we do to help y'all so y'all can help them babies behind y'all die? And I and I, I look to accomplish in the next five years to actually can to have that change turn and then getting into making cartoons and movies. Because I like that kind of stuff. Outside of all this music, bro, I'm really funny as hell. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Oh yeah, absolutely. So far as 2023, man, what a, what a, I know you had said in the beginning of the interview, you know about your album dropping in May and a couple singles coming, but uh, what uh, what else you got coming for the rest of the year? Uh, I'm gonna drop a mixtape right after the album. Uh, I shot a preview of it the, the beginning of this year, but then I took it back down. I'm gonna actually put it back up. Uh, when January first hit, I dropped my mixtape Year to Jump Man 2023 above the rim. So I'm coming with that. That right there, I'm changing the game up. I'm remixing everybody's songs. Uh, I'm paying homage to Atlanta. So I got, I'm remixing Rich Homie Quan some type of way. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, hey, bro, I'm not playing. I'm not playing. You know, I got that coming on there. You know, um, I'm remixing uh, Rest in Peace to Savannah Camouflage out of Savannah, Georgia. He got a song called Cut Friends. I remixed it and called don't trust friends. You know what I'm saying? It, it's I'm kicking real music, bro. But I'm taking hits, and I'm I'm bringing them back with a different feel. You know what I'm saying? I even got uh the uh, uh that Curtis Mayfield um getting it on 110th Street. I'm paying homage to him. I'm just taking it. Same thing Wayne did, jacking for beats. But I'm just not jacking for beats, bro. I'm actually just putting it back out there and letting everybody know these was the songs. That actually had us feeling good, and we was we was loving each other then. Absolutely. Uh, this is kind of a legacy question right here. Uh, how do you want people to perceive you? P O M E, as a product of my environment. You know, I come from the gutter. I want you to see me no different than what I'm already showing you. I'm not different than no man on this earth or no woman and nobody, no no color, no race. I'm just me, I'm just OG. I'd rather help you before I hurt you. I want the world to see me as, man, that's a dude that done been through hell, but he coming back to give us the compass to get out of it too. That's what I want, I want the world to remember me as somebody that tried to change. Cause there's a lot of brothers that's incarcerated now and there's brothers that's coming home from prison. There's a stigma put on us, man. When we walk out of the door, the guards usually say, you'll be back in six to 18 months. I beat that odds. I ain't been back to the chain game. I got out 2005. Here we is in 2023. I'm a free man. So I'm still fighting for brothers behind the wall and brothers that's free. I want to remember, be remembered as the young OG that brought everybody together. Absolutely, I can feel that. So I'll start asking people this question, man. Give me your give me your Mount Rushmore. Give me your top five most influential people in your life. It could be famous people, it could be family members, or whatever you want to do. Number one, Miss Shirley, my grandma. That's the first. Number two, the notorious big eyes X, my uncle. Number three. I got to say, 
Man, that boy Will Smith. <laughs> what that boy Will Smith, boy? I ain't even gonna lie. You know, that boy Will, bro, everybody been on Will, bro. I've been on Will since I was a jit, bro. So to see what Will did on the Oscars, I, I, that's just black people, man. That's what we do. The world's just seen it and, oh my God, Will, Will number three. Hey, Will, boy, hey, boy, hey, boy. I see that left hand hook, boy. I thought he was a boss. He did Muhammad. I mean, he did Ali now. So you seen where it came from. So three, he on three. I say four, Andre 3000. And I'm telling you, man, that, that brother's an inspiration to me, bro. And I can't wait to the day I can meet him and actually sit down and pick his brain. I want to learn from him. I've always heard all these five percenters and these, 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 these humans that, that has these intellectual properties in their head, bro. That's just so beyond this world. He one of them to me. You know, he he, he what we would call the vessel for information. And number five, number five out of all of them is gonna be me. Cause I'm always better on me, bro. It's gonna be me. Absolutely. I'm proud. I'm proud of me, bro. I'm one of my greats. That's look, I can feel that. So, as far as closing remarks, man, anything else you want to tell the people you got going on, and uh, let people know how they can keep up with you on social media and things like that. Uh, yeah, I'm finna get ready to uh go back down. Shots out the live from the trap, uh, Miami, Florida. These boys are connected to, with Rock Nation. Shouts out to that boy Rug and Mike, uh, Tito and LT. You know, they, they connected with Sniper Gang and all that. They, they got the biggest platform coming out of the South right now for independent artists. And they're actually getting people signed. Like, I'm going back down there. I did change, man. You guys can go on my IG. Like I said, it's uh, at OG underscore N-A-R-D underscore. And you should see me on there with Madrid's in a black and white photo. Um, I'm actually finna get ready to go back down and uh, do my second single and releasing off my album, Truck Driver. That'll be on all platforms. Uh, April 20, no, April 30th. It'll be, no, before then, before then. I think Tom them said it. Yeah, April 24th. I said it right the first time. April 24th, Truck Driver will be released. And I'm going down there to shoot the stage performance for Rock Nation and Live from the Trap. And all them boys down there, man. And um, like I said, we're, we're getting ready to try to put a, a trap country tour together with all the southern states. Um, I got some projects coming up with Cheese Beats. Uh, I'm working with uh, Mix.com from Quality Control. I got a lot of stuff coming up, bro. There's a lot. It's a lot. But if anybody want to follow me, they can follow me on my IG, man. That's how you keep up with a lot of stuff I got going on. My website's coming soon for Trap Country Clothing and Apparel. Uh, you will be able to go get my music and everything else off, off, off my website. Right now it's under construction. They're still uh, designing and creating it. Um, I'm actually, my clothing line will be actually the Dickies, but it'll be merged with uh, Country Camel. And it'll have a deer on there for T Trap Country Clothing, TKK. Okay. Absolutely, man. I think a lot of people will uh, be able to relate to this interview, you know, given, you know, someone 
that uh hit a hit a setback in their life and was able to uh bounce back from it, you know, being going to prison and not letting that be the re uh, reason for you to um find yourself in a repeat stage in your life, keep going being in and out. And uh and that's an inspiration in itself because we finally see we constantly see people, you know, you know, go to prison, get out, you know, whether that be lack of opportunities or whatever, and then have to be forced to go back into what they was doing that made them go there the first time. So it's good that you got out, you had a plan, and you uh made a pop made a positive impact when you got out, you know, started a family, uh, start raising some great kids and and start doing the American dream, you know, making a positive impact on the community. So, yeah, yeah, man, that's a hey, that's that's a big part of life for me right now. Absolutely, man. You know, and uh, anytime you want to come on a podcast, man, you can come on anytime. You know, I do uh, interviews, but I also talk about real stuff too, whether it be police brutality, child support, relationships. <laughs> Uh, should you kick your kid out of 18 years old? That was one of my popular episodes. Um, just stuff that I know people gonna come across at some point in their life. It's just good for us to have these type of discussions amongst each other. That was one of the reasons I started a podcast was because uh, I'm real big on mental health. You know, in the military, you know, I uh uh su suffer real deep depression at one point in my military career because of uh losing my best friend in Afghanistan. I just wrote I just wrote a book about it. It's going to drop this summer with some other co-authors that's uh, writing about overcoming mental health experiences uh that they had to overcome, but uh, I feel like you have to have um, more conversations among people that look like us and even people that don't look like us to get reassurance that you know no matter if this person's a millionaire or you're a middle-class person, we all go through similar things, no matter how successful or regular a person is. Yeah. Yeah. You're right about that. That mental health thing. I'm with you on that. You know, I, one day I hope you do one about mental health when it starts in the home. Cause that's what most of the mental health starts at. It starts in, and as a black community, we need to talk about that because that's where it starts at in our homes. Like kids go through mental health. They're getting, kids are going through mental issues with their parents. You see what I'm saying? If, if we can sit back and start finding out what these kids are going through, then maybe we won't have the killings and, you know, a lot of other stuff because it that's what it leads to, the suicides. It leads to stuff like this depression. Like, I done been through depression before. Like I say, man, getting in shootouts, being shot up, watching my homeboys die next to me, put me in a stage of depression. But then that leads to something else and it, it ignites a quote unquote, I don't even like to use the term, but they say demon. It ignites the demon in you. There's a yin and a yang to a person, a good and a bad. It's just which side are you giving more friction to? Yeah. So I'm with you on that mental health thing, brother. Absolutely, man. You know, anytime you want to come on the show, man, you know, you can hit me anytime. You know, I do, I record, I'll all times, you know, I woke up yesterday morning, didn't think I'd be doing two interviews today. 
Damn freaking for I went to sleep, had two interviews. <laughs> then for them make it so crazy after I got off the first interview. I got in a young LA comments probably about a month ago, and I forgot all about it. As soon as I get off the first interview, young LA in my DM. So I hit his manager. I'm like, man, I forgot I even mentioned this dude in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, you see how God put you in position for things, man. Yeah, it's crazy, man. <laughs> bro, like I say, keep doing what you're doing, man. You kicking off the positive energy to the people, bro. Like I say, I'm honored to be on your podcast, man. I'm honored to be able to, you know, distribute this to the world. You know, I want to say shots out to another brother that just lost his life today. His name was Montel Slater. He was out of Mobile, Alabama. He created Late Gate Radio. And he was opening doors for independent artists. He was killed last night in his car in Mobile, Alabama, man. Never heard a soul, brother. Never heard a soul. So that's why I say, man, sometimes God will use us for a second just to catch the world for a minute. So that's why I say, what you doing, man? Hey, brother, I lift, I, I lift you with the most on. From, 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 from black man to black man, bro, I'm here to uplift you. And I'm here to support anything you got going on, man. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that, man. You know, uh, I like that um, music, man. You know, um, I was, uh, I didn't get a chance to uh, listen to it last night, but I uh, listened to it when I got off work today because I had to do some overtime. And then when I was on the way home, I had listened to it and, you know, uh, like I said, that spirit-led music, man, you know, Noah's song got real emotions in it, man, when it make me reminisce about stuff I've been through, you know, because a lot of music don't do that. A lot of music just serves for the moment. Like, it'd be like, oh, we just turning up right now. Let's have a couple shots or something like that, you know, but, you know, music with actual substance, you know, so real, um, I want to say it's not appreciated, but it's not it should it's not appreciated as much as the BS that we listen to all the time. Like you know, uh, like cart artists like uh, J Cole and Kendrick, that people that really real artists. You know what I'm saying? They really take like a whole year working on an album, and then when they put it out, you be like, dang, this dude get so creative with their music videos you be like dang man this dude's really got a deep imagination you know just those type of people just uh similar to yourself you know just kind of fall in beneath the cracks i would say you know versus the other artists that's talking about the ops and the street life you know it's more of the media i look at it in that aspect because one thing about it park showed us bro when you put that out here, we gonna listen. But guess what, we the ones still getting beat down right now. So there's a young brother right now that I feel like is underrated. And the world really need to really start paying attention because he's not making pain music. He's making reality music. That's Rod Wave. Oh yeah, Rod Wave, he's all- The world need to pay attention to him. Like I uplift, man, look, bro, that, look, that young king now. Man, look at him, I listened to that young king. Because guess what he's doing? He's speaking from an old soul. I ain't gonna lie. Like, I was talking to my friend the other day. Like, uh-huh. She's a big Rod Wave fan. 
And she she was laughing at me when I said this, but I was so serious. I was like, I can't listen to Rod Wave around everybody. Like, I can't just be in a road trip, have three people in a car, and just turn on some Rod Wave. Because I don't know, especially if it's an album I ain't heard before. Because I'm just like, bro, I might have my homies around me. Well, you know what? Ten minutes later, I might be in tears. Hey, let me tell you I, something. I, 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 I was like, he, I got to be in a certain space to listen to him. Ah, uh-uh, you gotta stop. <laughs> yeah, look, let me tell you something. I got a song that I'm gonna send you called "I for an I," and I really want you to listen to this song. This song is actually, and when I release this song, this song is for the young generation. It ain't glorifying killing. It's just asking the question, have you ever seen a man die? Have you ever seen a man cry? Listen, let me tell you, some of the most beautiful thing in the world is to watch a brother break down in emotion because then I know he cared for me. I'd rather a man sit there and cry and show passion about what he's doing or what he has done, bro, and know that he has acknowledged that he screwed up or he has made the, he has made the necessities to move forward and what he's doing, then somebody to just be looking at me with a straight face and I don't know how to take you. I'm gonna tell you something, bro. If you can't drop a tear in front of your dogs, them ain't your dogs, man. That's just keeping it real, one black man. Cause my dog, my dog come over here, bro. My dog be crying, homie. And I sit right there and encourage my dog. Like, bro, it gonna be all right, bro. We all going through that. You ain't the only one, dog. If music is touching you emotionally, that's God speaking through your trunk, your tunnel. Your friends might be over there. Man, look, it, we ain't too hard to be cool, bro. But we ain't too cool to be emotional. Well, that other song I'm going to sing you, Ghetto Town, it comes on and it states, where do a man go when times get hard? That's what I'm saying, bro. Some, we, we're too... We, I'm not saying we're too masculine because we're supposed to show that in today's society anyway. And now that's nothing towards, you know, that community. I respect everybody. I see everybody as a human being. But my thing is, is as a man, bro, when has it not been okay for you to be emotional? You might be built like a tank, but your heart ain't built like that. Because even when you do wrong, your heart will make you feel bad. So that's why I say this to say this to you, black man. You riding down the road and you listen to raw way and you start crying. That's because God talking to you. You don't don't let that conversation not be held because of your pride in front of some boys that you call your partners. That's just real talk. That's from brother to brother, man. If I see you over there crying, bro, I'm gonna ask you, bro, what's wrong? You be like, bro, that song really touched me. And then I now, now I'm gonna sit back and now you finna make me listen to that song. Because whatever made that was made you cry, I know I'm finna think of something that's gonna make me change something that was bothering me. Music is that, like I say, music, music, music is the is the frequency through the 808, bro. It's all about how we control it. It's an emotion. Broadway, Broadway put, I'm telling you, that little boy there, we're sleeping on him, but he gonna be around for a long time. Yeah, man, because once you... Once you find your own lane and you know you're good at your own lane and you master it, 
you ain't got nobody to compete with. Like, it don't matter what that person doing over there, over there, like, you still going to have your constant motion. Like, people going to pick up their phones, go to Apple, Spotify, whatever, because they in the mood to hear that. Like, and certain, and every artist can't make that what you putting out, you know, because it's mm-hmm. taking artists to really make pain music in it. And you can you, you can tell when it's authentic, you know what I'm saying? Because you can hear it in their voice. Like that some mm-hmm. can cap on the beats and stuff and it still sound good, but you know, your spirit ain't gonna lie to you. Like I don't hear some stuff like that Mo 3 man, like uh when he made the first uh song or well it wasn't the first song, but one of the uh songs that stuck with me the most by him was uh that down on the river song on when the change is gonna come. Yeah, that and that uh, everybody song, that everybody song. Yeah, everybody ain't your friend. See, Man. homie talking about real life issues, bro. Cause just cause you man, that big blank back said this on his podcast, uh, that they got up in Atlanta. He said, Negroes nowadays, I still think you the Negro from 10 years ago. No, you got to meet the new me, brother. I ain't that same person. And Mo3 told us, everybody ain't your friend. Just because you growed up with them, don't mean you know them. That's just real fact, bro. Oh, you know what? This is what I tend to do. I don't got friends. I got associates. Because everything's a contract. If you come into my life, it's a contract. I'm not expecting you to be here for a lifetime. This is a short-term contract after that contract's up. It's up to you to renew the friendship. You see what I mean? If everybody perceived and looked at that like that, then we wouldn't be so much in the twine of, oh, he real and he fake. Nah, homeboy, it's a business. Life is a business. Everything's a contract. When you meet a chick, <laughs> guess what? You just signed a contract to go on your first date, you go on a date with her, you mess with her a couple months, find out she's crazy. It's contract, boy, you on to the next business opportunity. So that's how I perceive it and I look at it. Mo three, bro. I gotta tell you, boy, I wish man, I wish heaven had a phone call. Yeah, man, that dude, yeah, he was he was special with that music, man. I'm gonna put you, I'm gonna put you back in the mind of that brother, man. I'm gonna try to keep that brother name alive. I swear I am. With the style that I've created, trap country, man, like you said earlier, I'm in the lane of my own. I'm not trying to be like nobody else because ain't nobody doing what I'm doing. You know, ever since I've been pushing it out now, I've been seeing a lot of these celebrities not trying to do, you know, <laughs> similarity. But I don't look at it as, oh, they hating or none of that, man. I look at it as, hey, look, I'm, I'm actually inspiring people. So that Mo 3 Harmony, that's trap country, baby. I'm telling you, that's trap country. One day, man, I hope I get a chance to meet Rainwater. Really do. So he can see the same thing his partner was trying to do, bro. It's the same thing I'm trying to do. He just died before he got a chance for God to actually put him on the heavenly stage. Well, he's actually on the heavenly stage now, but I'm talking about the big one on earth. Yes, absolutely, man. Yeah, a lot of people get taken away before they reach their full potential. Well, they yep. full, or the full, but I would say full potential, earth wise, 
I want to say full potential spiritually because it probably was what God had for him. He probably, you know, made his mark to form what he wanted him to do. But, you know, I know uh, Charleston White has said something. Uh, he said something that really resonated with me. He was like, we've been taught to talk to think that death is bad. Yeah. And he was like, you know, when he thinks of Jesus and the Bible and all the stories and stuff, he was like, everybody that died mean that they ran the race. They completed the mission. He was like, and that's what everybody should be aiming for. Like, you know, you want to enjoy life and be around your loved ones and stuff while you're here. But he was like, you know, culturally, we've been feel like, oh, he died. So, you know, everybody's sad, but we really should be celebrating. Yeah. And that's, that's you know what? Down here in my, like down in Miami, that's what my grandma used to say. You celebrate when somebody leaves because they don't got to suffer no more. They transition on to peace, to another realm of prosperity. My grandma used to say that, she said that that was part of the Indian culture. Like they celebrated when folks left. They didn't cry and weep. When you do that, you mean you don't, you only cry because you done done that person wrong. You didn't get a chance to ask that person for forgiveness. That's what we were taught. You know what I'm saying? You steady around here, oh, Johnny gone, Paul dead, Miss Mary out of here. No, you did something wrong. And now you're stuck with that. And you and that person has left. And the, the, the bad memory you have of them is stuck now because you didn't make it right. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, Charleston White, bro, and that's another thing. Everybody talk crap about him. They say this, they say that. But who going to start telling us about us? Man, the realest thing he said, man, and people hated it, but it was the most realest thing he ever said. He was like, when Nipsey Hussle died, he went to the funeral in the L.A. Center, and he said he was looking around the stadium. He said, all these people, he said, if we got 20,000 people, 20, people in uh, Staples Center, like 19,500 of these people is crying because Nipsey Hussle's gone. But that small 1% over there, his family members, his friends, they crying because Arab is gone. His government name. And he was like, when these rappers die, he was like, people was, you got to be a deep thinker to, to, that, that understand the stuff that he be saying on these interviews. Like, he was saying that, you know, we have to separate the character from the person. Right. He was like, when he said, I'm glad that the rapper died because the rapper is the person that's, you know, getting the stuff to the community and, you know, having our community in this confused state and people thinking or portraying stuff they think this artist is doing or whatever. But he was like, the family know them as whoever their government name is, whether their name be Eric or Tyrone, whatever, you know what I'm saying? So he was like, you know, we have to separate the character from a person because if you go around these people, family members, he might be rapping my ops and stuff. You might think this dude the biggest gangster or whatever. But if you go talk to his grandma, his mama, and you go see be around them for about 30 minutes, 
you have a totally different perception of what that per- who that person was. You want to try to put those two in the same box, you know? You know, Aramis, uh, Nipsey Hussle, and you know that man was a great descendant of the Greek, Haile Selassie, I, I and I Rastafari. Yeah, I know he had roots in Africa. I know he said on an interview that he got a chance to go to Africa and really see where he came from. And stuff. I got a picture of him on my wall. He was my favorite rapper. Like, uh, he was like him, uh, him, Young Dolph, and uh, Mac Miller was like the, mm-hmm. only, the only artist I ever shared a tear for when they passed away. Like, I was really hurt when Nipsey got killed because he was such a deep thinker. I used to le- listen to his interviews. I loved his music, but... His interviews was stuff that stuck with to me, how intelligent he was and how he talked about, you know, the doctor said he the one that got me on Dr. Sebi stuff. You know, he was uh, he was I've been on him. <laughs> I've been on him a long time. But not to cut you off, you right about that, man. And he the one got me on um learning hieroglyphics, bro. Mm. Nipsey. Nipsey got me on the one studying. I, I'm actually studying hieroglyphics. Mm. I want to learn how to read that. You know, I know the old Egyptian language is it was destroyed back in the days, but the closest people to that is the 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 uh, the Mayan ruin peoples in the Yucatan off the coast of Mexico. Mm-hmm. These are the closest people to hieroglyphics. So that's actually something else that I'm finna get ready to take a trip over there too. I like I like to learn, bro. Anything that's gonna keep me going. I feel like if you learn something every day, it'll drive you to keep going. I don't care what it is. It can be tying your shoe. You learn how to tie that shoe. That way you're going to spend all day the next day learning how to tie the next shoe. And when you get both of them on, you're going to learn how to get your butt up and walk somewhere. So that's what I look at it as. Yeah, like Nip- Nipsey was a big beacon that we lost too. Like when I spoke to brother Tony Muhammad, he told me, um, you know, he was there when Nipsey got killed. This is the brother that stands next to Minister Farrakhan. He's, he's, the, he's the negotiator on the West Side. He's actually he want to actually stop the gangs from killing each other. And I don't know if you remember back in the days on the West Coast when Snoop uh, came together and did that convention for Tupi Williams, when they brought all the gang members out. Tony Muhammad from the uh, Nation of Islam was the one that uh, orchestrated that. And me and him, is we're, we're actually in conversation now. And like he told me, like, you know, a lot of brothers in the, in the nation right now looking at me, man. And, like everything y'all are telling me too, like the music, it's it, it touches people. And I feel like Change Man is one of them We Are The World tracks by Michael Jackson. It's already been played in 46 countries. So <laughs> I know I'm doing something right, brother. Yeah, yeah absolutely, man. You just gotta keep, you just gotta keep feeding them, man. Just don't starve them, just keep getting them that, that good content, man. Yeah, man, I, that, 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 hey, that, that's, that's my goal, brother. That's my goal, man. That, I'm up. If they, if they allow me to give them something different to feed the brain and the heart, then I'm ready to serve them love. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, man, I like, uh, having conversations like this, man, cause I'm a real, uh deep thinker i'm always constantly in deep thought because i'm always by myself a lot so i always constantly thinking you know and it ain't one thing about it bro like if i ain't that's why i tell you man that's a good thing that you're always by yourself 
Because then you give your time, you give yourself peace and time to start having conversations with God. That's what we need. People don't people don't realize. Just like you get tired at work, you get tired of everything else. Give yourself, pamper yourself and give yourself an hour of complete silence by yourself. And watch how much good you feel because then you'll be, you'll be able to slow down time and everything around you and realize where you're screwing up at, where you're doing good and what's affecting you and what's not affecting you. You can see life for what it is, bro. So I do the same thing sometimes when I'm when, when my family's in the house, the, bro, I go sit in the closet and cut the light off and put on instrumentals, man, and just listen to instrumentals so I can have a conversation with God. I communicate with the Lord through music. Because I asked him to put it on my heart so I can write it on my brain. That's why I say I enjoy these conversations too, man. We just, as black men, we don't have them enough. We need to to start uplifting each other. That's why I say I'd rather help you before I hurt you. 